Hi, everyone. My name is Jen Fry. I'm a Visioning Council member for the Organization of Nature's Revolutionaries. And I want to welcome you to our teleseminar today. I'm so grateful to have you. This is our fifth year of offering teleseminars on becoming a nature evolutionary. And during this series, we dive deep with uh, people who inspire us with their connection to earth and who work with the consciousness to bring some offering forward, helping to raise our vision, the one's vision of a world where all beings are held sacred and where we are our co-creative partners. So this call is being recorded and will be available on our website, natureevolutionaries.com, as well as our podcast stations on Apple, Spotify, uh, I think Google Play. Today's teleseminar is Plant Consciousness, Food and You with Lara Parisi. Lara is a holistic health coach, gardener, artist, and energy healer. She assists people in becoming healthy, healed, and whole through her unique relationship with food, or her unique way of approaching food, I should say, that combines her knowledge of nutrition and plant spirit medicine, along with her heart-centered love of cooking and the land and tending the land with gratitude for what Mother Earth has provided us. Lara is also our newest Vision Council member for one. And so I am, um, we're greatly honored to have her on our Visioning Council, bringing her heart and her wisdom and her connection with the earth, helping us really ground into our hearts. And so Lara, I wanna thank you for um, being here and I just forgot to say, if anybody wants to learn more about her, you can uh, follow her website, rootedangel.com. And also, I'm gonna give you a little tidbit. We'll tell you more at the end, but Lara has generously offered to do a webinar for us. So if you like what you hear and you want to actually um, see her in action, we're gonna do a webinar where she's actually gonna do a cooking demonstration, but I'll tell you that later. So thanks, Lara. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. And um, welcome to everyone. But I do want to thank Jen. I want to thank the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries and their beautiful offering um, that they provide for all of us, really. I mean, I think that it connects everyone in such an amazing way that we have this ability to really um, be in co-creative partnership, not only with nature, but with one another. And um, so thank you. Thank you also to um, the elements. So this talk was put together primarily with the idea of plant consciousness, food, and you. And when I take that into my being, it brings me back to the very beginning of when I first started to understand food in a very different way. Um, I had uh, one career that was um, designing clothing and that was working with um, making beautiful things for the outside of people. And but I always had this urge to also explore what was going on on the inside of people. And so with a deeper dive into that um, exploration, I went back to school and studied integrative nutrition. I studied energy medicine, 
traditional Chinese medicine, plant consciousness, and on it goes, because I just kept finding that everything kept unfolding in the most beautiful way in, in that space, which is sometimes referred to as the ether or akasha, which is really a consciousness. And um, I want to include that as one of the elements that um, I'd like to talk about and give thanks to today. The fire, the earth, the water, the air, and the ether, consciousness. So I want to give thanks to all of those elements because they are all interacting with one another all the time. They become the food that we eat and we become the food for others. And by that, what I mean is that, um, okay, so there is this consciousness around food and we will get back to that you know, the food on your plate um, and how to, how to provide nutriment for ourselves and uh, for our families, our friends and so on. But there's something more to this that I also am very aware of. And that is that food is not only the food on your plate, but it's also the way you live your life. It's the impressions of life and how life can become your teacher. So I give you the example of, you know, you could have the most beautiful array of um, fruits, vegetables, um, proteins, everything, a most beautiful plate in front of you. And yet you might still be a little bit off in the sense of not feeling fulfilled, not feeling, um, fulfilled in different ways of your life. And let's say there's a career that's not really working out or a relationship that's not really working out. Something has kind of gone awry. All of that is just as important as the food on your plate. And um, so there's this interacting piece between both the food on your plate and the impressions that come in and the way that you live your life. So I do want to get back to um, something that also influenced me in a big way when I'd gone back to school to study integrative nutrition. And that was that we studied every dietary theory that was known to man. Um, every single one, the grapefruit diet, the South Beach diet, the North Beach diet, the, you know, just um, vegan, vegetarian, animal, all of it. And I will say that there is no one right diet. There is no one right way to eat. If there was, we would all be doing it. So just as unique as we all are in our own uniqueness, so is the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the angelic kingdom, the archangelic kingdom. We're, we're all really unique. And yet we're held together in this space of being co-creative with one another. So even though we're unique, we also still have these basic building blocks in us of earth, water, fire, air, and ether, akasha, 
consciousness. We all still share all of those elements. So we're not that separate. Even though we're different, we're not separate. And I think that's something that when I really took that in and I realized that food becomes us. It becomes our blood, our cells, our tissues, our organs, our brain is an organ. Food becomes our thoughts. Our thoughts create our reality. Our reality creates our life. I mean, it, we're complex. Nature is complex. I find it fascinating that nature knows exactly what to do with all of those elements. I find it utterly humbling to know that, that nature knows exactly what to do to create itself. It's not confused. You know, a carrot doesn't try to become a snap pea. It stays a carrot. I mean, you know, so we have this extra layer in that we, we're thinking beings and we apply our thoughts to whatever it is that we do. So I have an interesting question to pose. Why is it that we sometimes go unconscious around food? What do you, what do you think that is? I'm just curious if anyone has a thought around that, if you wanna type it in or Jen, maybe you have a response to yeah, it. Well, I was gonna say, if anybody wants to say, you can put it in the chat or raise your hand. Um, and I, well, I, first of all, would say, I don't know that it's sometimes. <laughs> I think for most of us, we're not very conscious about food. And um, I don't know if you want me to answer this question, Laura, but, um, you know, I, would okay. take it, I think it goes way back. I think it goes back to us not valuing nature and not valuing, um, you know, when, when it became that whatever we do has to be about money, has to be productive, right? So therefore we somehow forgot the sacred act of nourishing ourselves and how important that was for us. Um, and, and again, it's about losing our connection with the earth. Mm -hmm. and that's a short, I'm trying to make it short, but that's my short answer. Yeah, um, so I think we did go unconscious um, around that. And, um, you know, the fact that we turned it into, um, we kind of farmed it out. We farmed out our birthright to be able to make choices around our food. And maybe we even let other people make those choices for us. You know, if you're a little kid, your mom is making those choices for you. And, you know, after a while, it, it, uh, not all the time. I mean, so I don't mean to paint that picture, but quite often, um, you know, that's what's happening. We start eating with um, in imitation, in imitation of the way others eat. You imitate the way your culture eats and so on and so forth. And then it becomes a real challenge to try to break that. You know, you start eating the same way as your friends that you're hanging out with or, uh, and then you go into deeper dives around what works for you and what doesn't work for you. But what I'm talking about too is something that you mentioned about getting back in touch with nature, restoring our relationship, our sacred relationship 
with nature, with all parts of nature. There's a little kitchen garden that's right outside the window that I'm able to look out over and I feel very blessed to be able to have that. And, you know, there was a time where if I was in the kitchen and I was in a bit of a hurry, I would just go out, grab something, bring it in, start chopping it up, putting it in the, you know, preparing it. And I compare that to thinking first, getting into a bit of a centered place, actually really putting some thought into what is it that I'm about to eat? How is it going to make me feel? And do I have deep gratitude for the way that it was grown? Do I even think about the earth, the fire, the air, the water, all the elements, all the beings that went into creating that and that are going into creating me? Do I even think about that? And I have to say, sometimes I'm in such a rush that I don't. And yet it's consciousness that all of a sudden, if you just remind yourself and it becomes something automatic, and now when I go out, if I'm going to pick something from the garden, I would just say, thank you. You know, I wouldn't go into a deep conversation necessarily with it, but I would just, I would, ha I would have such gratitude. I would feel the leaf first. Thank you so much and bring it in. And that energy, that gratitude, that place of being, um, it created an entirely different meal. Entirely different meal for myself, for others who were here. They could feel it. You know, they could feel that there was something that went on behind the scenes that was not just something that was green and red and orange and yellow and blue and purple because I try to create from color. Um, I do feel that the energies of the colors that you bring in also vibrate off and into your body and you know it's it's a it's a pretty magical thing to be able to do this and not go unconscious and that's what i'm really trying to bring up here is like there's a consciousness to all of this and the beauty of it is that we hold the space for that to happen so laura i just want to say we have two other um comments about answers to your question and so Linda said, um, I think it goes back to being a child. So it's just what you were saying, time for dinner. And so we sat and ate and were told to finish it. Mm -hmm. And then Chen Soon says, the socialization of food that began when we were born and continues throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, those are both really powerful you know, both powerful messages that we receive. And it's, it continues to stay as part of the consciousness, unless we are willing to make changes around that. So, you know, to go with the first comment about um, food as a kid, and you're meant to finish the food on your plate. I know I grew up with the, you know, kids in Africa are starving kind of thing. You know, it was just whatever, whatever was going on. Um, I know my childhood relationship with food was anything other than, um, let's just say it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> it wasn't joyful. 
My mother didn't love to cook to begin with. And I always thought that you were supposed to eat, you were supposed to burn the toast first and then scrape off the burnt stuff. And so the butter dish always had little specks of burnt toast. <laughs> I, that's how I thought it was meant to be eaten until I visited my husband's family and they made toast. I'm like, but don't you burn it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, but I think um, turning it back around and just saying, okay, what can we do then to change that level of being? Because it is a level of being. How can we um, bring an awareness? Okay, so I don't have a young child any longer, but I have nieces and nephews and I have you know neighbors who have kids. How can we invite their playfulness their curiosity around food. Um, there was a woman that I was talking to the other day who just planted a garden in her backyard and she was so excited about it. And she said, I planted everything but vegetables. I said, really? She goes, my kids don't eat vegetables. And I thought, oh, all right. Well, maybe they could still watch them grow. Maybe they could watch the bees come in and, you know, and enjoy the vegetables that are growing. I, I mean, I just, I felt a little saddened by that it just stopped right there. It's like, nope, we don't do that, you know? But um, yeah, anyway. There's another comment here, which I feel like might go, um, well, Kathy, do you, do you wanna say something? Okay, um, so there's another comment here that as a child eating all the food on my plate was leverage for getting to do things I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And so with a couple of these comments, you can decide to not go down this way, but with a couple of these comments, um, what's coming up in my mind is just thinking about um, how many of us developed a negative relationship to food because of the expectations of our childhood, whether it was either we didn't have um, uh, we weren't included in the cooking of it or the growing of it. So we weren't allowed to have that. Um, or it was a form of control. You have to eat everything on your plate, whether you liked it or not. Um, or, you know, an, as well as not, like I remember when my children were little learning that uh, they, they, not, they just naturally stop eating when they're full. It doesn't matter. Like I could give my kids a big piece of chocolate cake and, and we never had sweets and they wouldn't eat it because they were full. And, um, and then somehow we overcome that. So, um, so it just, it goes to how much of our relationships with food, I think, um, become unhealthy based on whatever our experience was in childhood. Um, so I don't know if you wanna to touch on that, Laurie, we could completely go back into consciousness with plants. But. Well, um, you know, they're not separate actually, but because of what happened in childhood, there was that separation. Mm -hmm. We became separate. I mean, that's really what you're talking about. We became separate and we adopted certain attitudes, behaviors and beliefs around it. And food for some people became a battleground mm -hmm. for some people, not for everyone. I mean, I, I do hear from people who had the most beautiful, nourishing, nurturing childhoods where, you know, they lived um, 
on the land or, you know, their parents um, understood food and tried to present it to them in a beautiful way. Um, but I do want to call attention to the split that happens because I think little, little kids have this innate um, childhood wonder in them. They have curiosity. They want to know what, what is that, you know, that blueberry that you just squished or, you know, how, what does that taste like? And, oh, it tastes good or no, it doesn't taste good, you know? So there's a, there's a natural fascination and curiosity about so much of this and connecting it back to plants. And then there's the separation because that's what starts to happen. Oh, there's, there's, um, there's me and there's you. There's, uh, you know, there, there's just this unconscious but conscious separation that happens. And I think what we're trying to do is just really get back to a place where we understand that so that rather than having it be a battleground or a negative experience in life, we can begin to heal some of that um, by taking it in, understanding what happened and, and work with it as a, a healing. And I do think that this idea of healing is really important. It's not just that um, it's, it's, there's processes that go on. I like this idea. It's called the, um, the six processes. Um, Rodney Collins writes a book on um, celestial, theory of celestial influence is the name of the book. And he writes about the six processes that go on. Um, and it's growth, digestion, assimilation, corruption, healing, regeneration, and then new growth. And I think that sums up a lot of what we experience um, with ourselves, with our spiritual nature, with food. I mean, I think you can begin to see those processes operating no matter where you are, whatever your dance in life is. You can, you can begin to feel what they are. You can feel the rhythm in it. And you can also see where you might get stuck. And by corruption, it does, it's, it's a place of non-growth, you know? Um, but what moves you out of that is healing. And so the plants I believe are really here to show us another way. Um, you know, they're showing us a way where we can heal, we can be with them, we can, we can envelop. I mean, just think about when you go outside, especially now, oh my gosh, in, at least in this part of the world, maybe not um, the opposite part of the world, but things are blossoming and flourishing and blooming like crazy. And you go out and you just see the flowers and they make you smile. They make you happy. To me, that's a healing, you know, it's, it's, and my gosh, what if you went over and, and, and said, can I eat one of your rose petals, you know, before doing that and, and then just receive, receive the rose petal, put it in your mouth, let it melt, let it melt straight into your heart and feel that energy and that vibration and that healing. And that's, that's what little kids do. 
I'm just saying, you know, just to paint a picture, to be in that place of receiving to me is just the ultimate. It's, it's so gorgeous. Anyway, where did I leave off? <laughs> um, let me see where we can go with this. Oh, I have a story to tell you. I have a story to tell you about snap peas. Um, one of the recipes too that would be in um, the PDF, which I don't know if you got that or not, Jen. So there's a couple recipes that I um, will include with the with this um, teleseminar. One of the recipes is called pea mole dip. It's kind of a riff off of guacamole that's made from peas. <laughs> But I have a pea story to tell you. About five years ago, our daughter came to visit from San Francisco and she walks in the house with this little paper bag. And um, she's like, I just got these at the farmer's market and I had to bring them to you like on a plane ride over, hands me this little paper bag. Here, mom, you've got to try it. And it was probably one of the most amazing snap peas I think I've ever had. I mean, it just vibrated like, uh, unbelievable. And I recognized that I didn't want to eat the whole bag. I wanted to save some of the snap peas because I wanted to save the seed and I wanted to plant it again. So we are now in our fifth year of planting and regenerating and the seed and the snap peas are unbelievable this year. I don't know how, but they they've grown to be um, so much taller than I am. And there's tons of them. And I can't wait for our daughter to actually see them because she's coming again from San Francisco in a couple of days, five days. So she'll be able to see these peas from the, you know, the snaps that she gave us, you know, a while ago. But I think um, what I love about that is not even just the sweetness of the pea, but I love the sweetness of the story. And I think that's food, you know, that's also the food that feeds us, it nourishes us, it nourishes our soul. And honestly, there's so many snaps here that if anybody lives close to me, just let me know. <laughs> and, and please, you know, I'll give you a little brown bag of snap peas, come visit. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so that was just something to share, something to share about impressions, impressions that also come in from life. Um, let's see, where else are we gonna go with this? I love this. Yeah, go yeah. ahead, Laura. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say I love this quote. I wanted to bring this up. John Robbins is the one that wrote this. He said, "Eating in a hurried or unconscious way, as so many of us have learned to do, is like receiving a love letter from the earth, but never taking the time to read it carefully." I love that he said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually looking at one of your quotes, Laura. <laughs> Which one? Well, there's two here, but I think this, this first one is the one that grabbed my attention. And it's whenever I am guided to plant a seed in my garden and watch it sprout, 
grow and bloom. I feel as though I'm witnessing one of nature's many miracles. And so I, I feel it, it ties into the John Robbins quote as well, because it is like, um, I think maybe it's in, Laura wrote an article for us, which is on our um, website. Um, but I think it's in there that you're talking about the miracle that happens every time we plant a seed and how incredible it is. Um, so I'm a seed lover <laughs> and I find myself just mesmerized. Like I was actually just planting seeds this morning before this call and I'm just so amazed at their different shapes and their colors and sizes even. And, um, and then I love how you say, you know, it turns into this from the seed to, I mean, for your snap peas, these giant plants, or sometimes it's a little plant and they're just so amazing. And um, yeah, by bringing awareness to that, it just taps us into those miracles or those wow moments that we can miss that um, just by going about our daily life. Yeah, and what you're talking about is what happens, you know, we kind of go to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, we, as much as we might love plants and so on there's area there's so life calls our attention in so many ways it just does it calls for our attention in so many ways and I'm sure um I mean I'll just speak for myself sometimes it just gets way too busy and I have not been able to really think ahead of how am I going to nurture myself you know not just myself my husband you know um now we are starting to have friends over but I mean during you know the last healthy chunk of a year we we had a you know we had a very different time we were not socializing we we're not having people over all the time it was very strange very strange for so many people to be held in that space and yet we could still plant seeds of love couldn't we you know we would still extend that to one another and um, and share a meal, even if it was virtual, you know, bring, bring something to the table to share or hold up and say, even as we're doing now, I do want to show you this because I'm in love with this little, this tiny little bit of borage that broke off the other day when it was like a major, you know, rain and wind knocked it down. And so this poor little babe got separated from its parent. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this one seed will open up, but it just reminds me of how much courage it took for this little guy to even be here. And then what Borage is really all about anyway, you know, in terms of a heart, heart, uh, heart medicine. It's really heart medicine. It's quite beautiful. So, um, yeah, and I lost track again because I just kind of get off on plants. I mean, but what I was starting to say is that sometimes there just isn't enough time in the day to really think all the time ahead of what am I going to have for breakfast. And so here's the trick. Um, something that I have found is that if I'm eating the same thing for breakfast and it goes on for a little too long, then I know I've gone to sleep. Mm. I know I've gone to sleep. That's simple. So maybe I can just change it up a little bit. You know, um, maybe I can start reversing the order of things. Maybe I can have dinner for breakfast, which is something that when our daughter was little, and 
you know, she graduated from eating um, white and beige food to having foods that had color. But, you know, there was a period of time when she was really little that, you know, she would, she would try everything. And then she went into a place of, you know, no, I just really want pasta with butter and cheese and bagels with cream cheese. And, you know, that was her choice. Um, but then to coax, see, here's the thing, our consciousness, consciousness creates change. And when you're in touch with that, it's powerful. And then how do you go about creating the change? How do you expand that awareness? How do you expand something in a, in a loving way? Because this is all about love. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about digesting food and digesting impressions of life with the enzyme of love. That's really what we're, we're talking about. And in that way, you know, how can you encourage somebody to make changes? Turn it upside down, think outside the box, throw out the food pyramid, get rid of dogma and creed, have, you know, snap peas for breakfast. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that helped our daughter when she was little is, you know, she really liked meatballs and broccoli. So last night's dinner became breakfast for her. And she didn't think that was weird. She thought that was normal, you know? So you talked about, you know, how you would raise your kids. And I remember one time there was a group of moms, beautiful moms who were interested in what they would feed their children. How could they feed their children in a healthy way? And I was doing a talk and one of the women said, you know, well, I, all my son wants to eat for breakfast is a tuna fish sandwich. And she said, what, what, what should I do? And I said, let him eat the tuna fish sandwich. I mean, it, it was not a big deal, you know? So it goes back to where, what are our thoughts around food? What are we really thinking? How do we go about feeding ourselves? How do we, how do we allow nature to um, teach us, you know, because there's a teaching that's there. Are we open to that? Are we open to allowing that to happen? Can I let the, um, the way that garlic grows with its undulating curves and, you know, the scapes and the way they do what they do, um, can I let it teach me how it wants to be cooked? and what it wants to become. And then can I really feel into the energy of it? You know, that's the other thing too. Um, I was thinking about this, the way that carrots grow. You know, they're, they're hanging out there in the earth. They're receiving all the elements, the earth, the water, the air, the fire, you know, the sun is fire. And at that point where it starts to crown, um, all right, stay with me, because I want to go back to the seed. Have you ever seen the seed of a carrot? Do you know if you sneezed that you wouldn't see the seed any longer? That's how tiny those seeds are. They are tiny. So that tiny little minuscule seed becomes a carrot. 
becomes something that's beautiful and rich and, and vibrant, and it grows deep and down into the earth. And then there's the crowning. It's like there's a crowning that goes on. And from that, there's a transition. And it starts to create in a whole different way. So there's this vortex that's going down into the ground, hanging out with the gnomes. And then all of a sudden, there's a crowning and a transformation. And it starts knitting these lacy leaves. And the lacy leaves are pulled up and up and up deeper into the, the sky, you know? And so now it's earthbound and it's still being affected by all the minerals. But that transition piece, I find that to be fascinating when I think about energy. What kind of energy went into that, that transformation? When, a, when a, the leaf then creates the strawberry, you know, from the leaf drops down the strawberry, that's a whole different shape and a whole different form. And, you know, these are things that usually get chopped off and cut away. And, but why? You know, because they taste bitter, because they're a little funky, but as an experiment, as an experiment, you know, don't throw away those little leafy tops of the strawberries. Eat them, you know, eat them with gratitude and love and, you know, feel their bitterness because there's a reason for that. There's a bitterness that's unfolding into a sweetness, you know, the same thing. There's a carrot sweetness that's then crowning and it's transitioning to something that's kind of bitter and maybe that's a way of balancing out our spleen and our liver our stomach and our liver you know because one of them really wants the sweet the other one wants the bitter I don't know but it's a, just a, it's a different way of looking at it just um, trying to introduce some new ideas here so that it's not always the same thing that you either plant in your garden or put in your grocery cart or, you know, it's another thing to think about. So I love that you said that the gnome or that the carrots were hanging out in the gnome kingdom. And, um, and it makes me think of this uh, when, when uh, I was studying Dom and her, they have a theory and I forget what they, how they, call it but they say it's important to eat um foods from all levels they don't use the word levels that's the part i forget so it's in the you want to eat animals and vegetables from the sea you want to eat you know vegetables from underground uh animals and vegetables from on the ground and then of course high high flying animals and high um fruits too and it's just what you're saying about being in the, the carrots in the gnome kingdom. So we're getting the information from that um, realm, right? And so that's why they say we should eat from all of these different uh, levels because each of them has a different consciousness, a different energy. And when we bring them into our bodies, then we have access to all of that consciousness. Beautifully said, thank you. Yeah, it's true. It's really true. When you lift yourself into that other place, you begin to understand 
that you are part of all of that and all of that is part of you. But it does create new impressions inside of you. It totally creates new impressions inside of you. You feel differently when you eat from the sea than when you eat from the land than when you eat from the air. You absolutely do. The energy is different. Climb a mountain, the air is different, right? But this is such an inner journey, what you're speaking about too. You know, it's, it's, um, I, I wanted to read something else too. This really strikes me. Um, Rudolf Steiner wrote this in his book on biodynamics in 1924. He said, nutrition as it is today does not supply the strength necessary for manifesting the spirit in physical life. A bridge can no longer be built from will to action. Food plants no longer contain the forces that people need for this. And he was speaking to a group of farmers and he was trying to get them to understand biodynamics and regenerative farming and how important it was if we wanted to really sustain ourselves in a, in a way that we also are um, strengthening, strengthening the land that we live on, strengthening the plants that are feeding us. So there were will forces that were absent from all of this, which has to really a lot to do with consciousness. not to paint a bleak picture, just to bring an awareness of how important it is. I mean, this goes way beyond pesticides. Not that that's not important, you know, but the essence of it, the essence of it, the essence of the way that we think and feel and act in the world. And then how do we apply that? You know, where do we, where do we want to go with it? How do we want to um, activate new neural pathways for us to be able to think differently? So we can do that with our food. We can do it with our food choices, you know, and we can go from there. We can bring ourselves into a whole other, in a whole other level with all of this. And we can work with the rhythms of nature. I think um, that's something else too, that just having a mindfulness around what's really growing right now. Um, I know where I live, we don't grow bananas, <laughs> you know, and yet those are available to us 24 seven, right? You go into a grocery store and everything is there. Absolutely everything. But if you ate closer to where you live, the, the products that are coming from the land, um, and to the seasons, I think you would find a completely different understanding. I think you'd find a little bit more of what Rudolf Steiner was talking about. Yeah. Well, and don't we, um, I'm trying to formulate this question for you, but, uh, you know, I'm just wanting to take it back even further. So thinking about Steiner and, um, the consciousness, um, then 
so one, I think what you're saying about eating locally too, is that we're, when we are eating locally, we're eating the consciousness of the land where we are, right? Those foods, particularly mm-hmm. the closer they are. So ideally, you know, our yard, our garden, we, it's another way of, of um, being in relationship with the, the consciousness of the land. Um, so let's just pause there. I'll pause there. I, do you have anything more to add to that, Laura, or say? Well, to be with the consciousness of the land, I think is, um, it's, it, that's remarkable. You drop right into it and you receive so many impressions from that. Something comes to mind when you're speaking about that and that is observing the animal kingdom. Um, when our dog Lulu was with us, she would go out and just she would be everywhere close to the land. She would be sniffing around. She would be so, I, I'm sure she took in a lot more consciousness than we did, you know? She was there, she breathed it all in. And I think we don't often get that understanding. Um, so going out, standing barefoot, lying on the earth, being at one with it, digging in the earth, understanding what that's all about. You get different impressions from that. I honestly believe that the angels come to visit. (laughs) I really do. You know, I don't know how many of of you are gardeners or have, you know, put your hands in the soil. I'm sure many of you have, and you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You just receive messages in ways that you just, never knew you'd received before. Yeah. Well, and I'm also thinking that, um, so I guess last year we, because of COVID, we decided to put in our vegetable garden. I've not had a vegetable garden here. I've grown tomato plants, but haven't had one for years because I'm surrounded by fabulous organic farmers. Like we have an an amazing, we have more organic farms in our county than there are in the entire state, the rest of the state combined. So, um, but you know, with COVID it was hard. So we grew our own vegetable garden and it feels to me, I mean, one, it's another way of just bringing in the land into our bodies when we eat that food, but it also feels like the, the land knows us. And so, puts into this food exactly what it is that we need for us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that um, you're, you're absolutely right. It knows exactly what you need and it will balance it out. I mean, the, the plants that grow around you know exactly what you need and they balance that out. It's pretty remarkable. I have a rosemary plant that doesn't typically, um, I think rosemary is something that's kind of tricky in our um, climate. Doesn't always come back the following year, but I have one rosemary plant that continues to grow year after year after year. I just wrap it in burlap and this past year it started flowering, which was so amazing. Then I have a little offshoot from it that I brought here <laughs> because I love this rosemary plant so much. And I know, I know one of the reasons why it's here, it's helping me to remember. It's helping me to remember my origin, which is from the stars. 
It helps me um, also when I have problems with my sinuses, when there's deep pressure behind my eyes. And so just to take a sprig of it and, or even chew on a leaf, but take a sprig of it and put it in some hot water and sip it. And immediately there's a clearing that goes on and the foggy brain lifts and all the excess thoughts that are just recycled from yesterday that are not really even new thoughts, they also go. And I'm left with just this amazing um, clarity. So to your point, to what you just said, the land knows what you need. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm also uh, aware. <laughs> so um, just when I, when I, you know, I talk about plant consciousness too. Um, and I'm guessing you may have had this experience that many people, particularly vegans and vegetarians, didn't want to hear about plant consciousness because they were worried um, if plants are conscious beings, then, you know, then who could I eat? Um, so I'm curious, uh, how would you address that or what would you suggest? Um, what you're saying is people are worried about eating plants? Yeah, because so they, yeah. they choose to be vegan and vegetarian because animals yeah. are conscious and they don't want to harm. So then therefore, if plants are conscious, then I can't, don't have anyone I can eat. So mm. they choose to not, you know, they don't want to learn about that. Yeah, so I think, well, what comes to mind for me and it, and it continues no matter what is um, prayer and gratitude. You know, I mean, the plants are here. They know, they know the reason why they're here. They utterly signed up for this. It's, it's all about service. It's all about being of service. So it's not like they've died and gone nowhere. I mean, they have their cycle anyway. They grow, they blossom, they flourish, they decay and wither and go back to the earth and hang out with the gnomes again. And then they come back again if they're perennial and if they're trees and shrubs, they do some version of that. So uh, for me, I just think that it's a continual um, relationship that gets built in a co-creative way by just continually being grateful for it and offering back. You know, what we can do that plants can't do is a lot, really. You know, we can do a lot in our thinking, in our ability to actually, you know, we have hands, they don't have hands, you know. We have the ability to make things, to be nourished by them and then to offer back. So I don't, I, I think that they're watching that. I think their consciousness understands when, an awake human being is near them, oh my God, they vibrate off the charts. They are so happy to see an awake conscious human being amongst them that I, fe I feel like they freely would offer what they, what they incarnated to be. I think it's, 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 it's about respect. That's what I think, but I don't know. How about you? No, I agree. I mean, I feel the same is true about animals as well, is that it's the, um, whether you choose to be vegan, vegetarian, or 
are omnivore, it's not about avoiding consciousness, you know, it's about, it's always comes down to our relationship and mm -hmm. whether we, um, so the ideal is to honor the, the consciousness, you know, and I feel that there are actually a lot more farmers that are raising animals in a conscious way than, than plants. I think that that's like our next step is for farms and organic farms um, to understand that plants are conscious. And that means, uh, you know, sing, singing to your plants, saying prayers as they're growing, thanking them as you're planting them in the ground from the, mm -hmm. the very beginning. And then asking permission when you're harvesting and um, thanking them. And, you know, just what you're saying, giving offerings. Like, I mean, that's what we do in our garden. That's what I was taught as a young child. That's how my grandfather gardened. That's how the indigenous, you know, that's that's like the number one basic, right? We we honor and give reverence for to these incredible beings that give us life, mm -hmm. and um, and then then we get to ingest all of that as well. So what's the difference between the food that has been grown with love and reverence versus just you know as a commodity? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, I don't know where we are with our time, but if there's any questions or- um... That's what I was just gonna say. Um, if there are any questions, you can um, put it in the chat. You can, uh, there's reactions, raise your hand. I might be able to see you <laughs> if you move around. Um, so I have another question for you, Laura, while we're waiting to see if anybody else. So I'm just wondering if there's one act, one thing that you would recommend people do to um, help come into more conscious relationship with food, or it could be more than one. Yeah, I think it probably is more than one. <laughs> um, I honestly think it comes down to gratitude, you know, in, in terms of how to change your life um, and be in ceremony with the divine. I think that's one thing that you can do. Certainly um, relax, thoughtfully chew your food, because I think um, we don't. You know, that's another way that we can go easily unconscious. Um, and with chewing your food, um, you're providing your body with the prebiotics that it really needs in order to be able to digest the food. So, and it gives you an ability to also really key into those. Did this come from the land? Did it come from the sea? Did it come from across the world, you know? You, you get these different impressions that come in. It's not just taste, but it's a deeper understanding of the spiritual nature of the food that you're eating. Those are a couple of things. Yeah, no, they're wonderful. Thank you, Laura. Anyone else have any questions? So I have a little one for you, Laura. Sure. What would you say, I, and I know that you enjoy cooking, but on an average day, how much time would you say you put towards cooking? On an average day, how much time do I put towards cooking? 
I don't see it as time. So that's an interesting question because I, wow, you asked me a hard question. Why is that so hard? Because oh, I feel I like, like it's, yeah, it's a hard question, hours in the day. I think there are certain days of the week that for me, they become cumulative. They're given over to the, the gathering of the food or the planting of the food. Um, going to, if I'm not growing something here, going to the farmer's market can be an all day affair. And I mean that in a, in a way that, you know, the food comes in and then it gets reassembled and put into different places. Um, I'd have to get back to you on that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, and I understand that part of the part of this is also has to do with your um, your work in this world and your offerings in this world. But I'm just I was just curious. Um, and I'm glad and I like that idea that I don't think of it as time. That's a that's good. I think that's a really good shift for me to to bring in because um, I love to cook and I can get lost in it, but I also have a hard time balancing um, time in the kitchen with everything else that I'm trying to do in my life. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, um, so I kind of like that idea of not putting a um, quantitative measure on it. Um, yeah, I think it becomes timeless time. I think that's what happens. I think you leap into another dimension Mm -hmm. And you just start living your life that way. And um, sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to outsource, <laughs> um, you know, accept the invitation at a friend's house or, you know, going out to dinner kind of thing. But, right. but there's something uh, that really throws me off if I have not um, created an, a meal for myself or my family. There's something that I, I get thrown off by that. Mm -hmm. somehow I'm, I'm, I accept it mm -hmm. but it feels odd mm -hmm. just because it's such a beautiful rich experience and it does not have to be labor intensive honestly mm -hmm. it does not you could cut that carrot straight down the middle and scrub the outside and just munch on it and you know put the leaves the lacy leaves somewhere else for a while until you can get around to making it into a pesto or I don't, you know, it's, yeah. Thank you. Anyway. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so there's lots of love in the chat, but no other questions. <laughs> so Oh, that's great. I'll take the love <laughs> and give it right back out. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have any closing thoughts or anything else you would like to share? Um, no, I'm just deeply grateful for everyone who's here, really, that you're interested in. You know what it is? Here's my thought. Those of us who have gathered there are so many more who are gathering and they're not necessarily in this dimension or in this time. And I love that. I totally love that. I get that there are other beings that are watching and gathering and they came in with you and they're learning and they're growing 
and they're affecting our consciousness because they also live in that in that way of you know non-ordinary reality that was a lot of words but i feel like it's very full and quite beautiful so thank you well thank you laura and thank you everyone for joining us today and um, again, if you'd like to learn more about Lara, I highly recommend you go to her website, which is rootedangel.com. It's just beautiful. And you, uh, she has articles and recipes there as well. As she mentioned, well, we kind of hinted at, there will be a PDF that has a couple recipes that she's offering, um, orange rosemary tea and the pea mole dip that she was talking about. Um, they will be on our website on her teleseminar page. So that's natureevolutionaries.com. And that's where this recording will be as well. I want to uh, invite you to join us next month, July 18th, for Connection, Commerce, and Vital Life Force, Thoughts from a Community Herb Shop with Julie Caldwell. Julie's another one of our Visioning Council members, and she is just so much fun, and I've learned a lot. She has, she has Humboldt Herbals in, um, in California, and it's just an incredible herb and community place. Again, you can also find this recording on your, and all of our other recordings on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and I think Google Play and, and our website. And while visiting our website, I always encourage you to please press that donate button for it is your donations that help us to continue to do our work, creating educational opportunities in listening to and building relationships with earth. And as I said earlier, on August 12th, Lara is going to bring us into the kitchen with her for Kitchen Alchemy conscious cooking. This is a webinar that's available for our members. It's a members only event. So if you're not a member of one, please join us. It's $35 and incredible, incredible resources for you, including these members only events. And, um, and I think it'll just be, I'm excited to see Lara cooking. I've already heard there's special ways of cutting. And so I'm just looking forward to that. And um, until next time, I just really hope that you all nourish your body, your hearts, your soul. And as you bring that nourishment in, allow that to just send love out to uh, the universe and beyond. So thank you again for joining us and may have a beautiful day. Bye everyone. Thank you. Bye everybody.